0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So listen, we are continuing this series about shadowing Jesus and we're following him, we're, we're looking at him, we're, we're putting ourselves in the crowd as Jesus makes his way up to his final days leading up to the cross, to Good Friday, we're going to be having a Good Friday service here, it's going to be a very powerful, powerful moment for us and let me encourage you if you can, make plans, carve out time to be here at our Good Friday service one of my mentors is speaking that evening and I'm going to be here and then I'll be leading us in communion at the end of that service, it will be a life transition transforming encounter with God that day. And I know that you're going to be blessed beyond your, your wild imagination. God wants to meet you there. But we're going to continue to Good Friday, the day that Jesus was crucified. Then we're going to continue on into Easter. But we're on a journey now following Jesus. We're putting ourselves in the story of the Bible that speaks to us and, and, and ministers to us. And, and we're, we're really, I'm approaching this as if I was a skeptic. If I was kind of on the outside and watching Jesus and listening to the words that he said, I've never seen anything like this before. Because if I was in Israel and around the areas of Israel, you know, there were lots of claims of other people who might have been the one, who might have been the Messiah. But who is this man that's really touching people's lives, transforming them, bringing transformation in their minds, their bodies, their spirit, who has authority over demonic powers? Who is this man? And I'm watching, but every day I watch, I'm getting a little closer to him. Every time that I see him ministering, something in my heart comes alive. And I know I want to know this man more and more. And we're going to go on this journey together. I just want to ask you a question today. Now we are 2,000 years after the the life of Jesus, his death and resurrection of Jesus. He's continuing to minister, continue to transform nations and families and peoples and hearts. And his, his kingdom continues to advance and press in against the gates of hell. And we get to be a part of it as a church. But I don't know if you've ever truly asked the question, what did Jesus do for you? What did he do for you? I think sometimes we can, we can uh, kind of sanitize the message of Jesus and, and think, yeah, that's sweet. That's kind. That's really nice. That's maybe for somebody else. And, but I'm going to ask you a question. What did Jesus do for you as an individual? And so we're going to go on this journey today. We're coming to this miracle of Jesus And he comes to Peter's mother-in-law. Peter was married, he had a mother-in-law. And we pick up this story and we're kind of, we're watching this, we're looking from the outside and then we're going to ask some questions about this. And I believe that God wants to do something in your life today. I believe that God wants you to understand what his son Jesus did for you today and then us have a chance to respond to that at the end of service together as a body individually but also as corporately. But in Matthew chapter 8, we pick up this amazing story of Jesus doing a miracle. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in a bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, now this is again, this is where we're looking at the journey of Jesus. He was in the house, he he ate something and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. But when the evening came... Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out. Everybody say, drove out. He drove out the spirits with a word. I love that. Word. I don't know what it was. It could have been out. It could have been, huh. It could have been anything. It's Jesus. He can do it however he wants. And he healed all the sick. Now, this is what I want you to see today. Look at the writer of Matthew, he's a smart guy, he's he's an accountant, he's sharp, and he's seen all these things, and he's talking with some of the people in the crowd. Maybe he talked to me as I was watching, but he, he was looking, and all of a sudden he said this, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He, meaning Jesus, took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So there was something very special going on here. And I know we saw, this, we saw this, this miracle up here how Jesus comes into Peter's house and he heals Peter's mother-in-law and it's this amazing connection and engagement and, and healing. Now, now I, I've heard some persons say, I would never say this, but I heard some person say they think this is probably the reason why Peter denied Jesus three times because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. But anyway, we'll just move on from there. That's terrible. That is terrible. I would never say that. I just heard someone say that one time. <laughs> but that's really not, not what I want to focus on today. Never. Mind. I was going to tell another in, in, in-law joke, but I saw, I better quit while I'm, I don't know if I'm ahead or not. So here we go. After Jesus encounters and prays for, then he moves and he ministers to the multitudes and the people. And he's driving out demonic spirits. He's bringing freedom to their lives. They could do nothing with their condition. They were demon-possessed. They were afflicted. They were suffering. They were tortured mentally, physically. And Jesus, who came to do just that, began ministering and taking authority and bringing his life, perfect life, and giving it to other people. And they began to be transformed and healed. So what is this statement? He took up our infirmities. He did this to fulfill what the prophet had spoken hundreds of years before. I just love, as I continue to study Jesus, I love the extravagant grace of Jesus. When you see it colliding with the brokenness of mankind, and it always brings healing. It always brings life. It always touches them at the core of their deep brokenness and their pain. The things that they thought, I don't know if I'll ever get over this. I don't know if I'll just have to go to the grave hurting and suffering and dealing with this anguish. And Jesus takes his grace and his love and he brings transformation and healing to them. This healing is showing us that Jesus is the one That God had spoken about hundreds, thousands of years earlier about the one who would come. About the one who would transform the mankind and people. God spoke through this prophet Isaiah. And this is what I want to look at today. That said the Messiah for the world would have authority over sickness, over death, over the demonic, over torment. And would have authority over the root cause of all those things which is called Sin. And the prophet Isaiah was looking to a time when the Messiah would come. And the crowds are watching Jesus do all these things. These, these are Jewish people who are watching. They've heard of the prophecies. They've seen the, the other messiahs who came and said they were the messiah, but they didn't heal the sick. They didn't, they didn't raise the dead. They didn't rebuke the demonic. They didn't have authority. When they spoke, the, their, their bones didn't tremble, but this Jesus, when he does, this must be the one. And that's why we have Matthew um, noting this because he's, he's saying this, he's fulfilling what everybody's been waiting for. And in the crowd, they're connecting the dots. They're connecting what they knew and what they believe, and they're, they're reading Isaiah and they're listening and they're seeing Jesus. And they're connecting Jesus and fulfilling this Isaiah 53. And later, Jesus, he completely fulfills it through the journey to the cross, through his death and his resurrection. But it's important for us today to connect some dots as well. I want you to connect some dots today about what? Jesus has done for you. Isaiah 53, just so you're aware, and we're going to read it in just a moment, wasn't just fulfilled when Jesus walked the earth 2,000 years ago. It just didn't happen then. I want you to know something today. Jesus is continuing to fulfill Isaiah 53 today in, in our world and in our lives. I hope, I hope you know that. He's still fulfilling the prophecy of the one to come. And so let's look more closely at Isaiah 53. And let's begin just to read this incredible passage. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God. Stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds or stripes, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is such this incredible passage that for me personally, I've memorized Isaiah 53 and I try to, because I do forget some things, I try to re-up myself on that every, every year. But this is the heart of what Jesus has come to do. Just not then, but now. Just so you're aware, some people had claimed that the age of miracles is over in 2020. They claimed it. But I believe that that's a lie, and Jesus is still doing the same thing today. Jesus is no longer physically in our midst, but he promises where two or three people are gathered in his name, he would be there. Jesus is here right now through the person of the Holy Spirit and in his body, the church. That's why we're called the body of Christ. And whenever Jesus shows up, whenever we see Jesus showing up, you know what happens every time? Miracles happen. Things happen. People's lives are transformed. The Bible says this out of Hebrews 13. It says this, that that Jesus Christ, now listen, is the same yesterday, today, as he will be forever. So as we're learning and watching Jesus through today, as we're listening to him, again, what does this mean for you? What does it mean to me that Jesus fulfilled Isaiah 53? What does it mean that Jesus is still fulfilling Isaiah 53 today? I want us to think through Isaiah 53 and see what areas that that God spells out to us so that we can walk away with a promise today, that we can engage in God who invites us to put his word to the test in our own lives. What did Jesus do for me? Number one out of Isaiah 53, Jesus has set me free from my moral weakness. Jesus has set you free and me free from moral weakness. The scripture out of Isaiah 53 is this surely he took up our infirmities. Surely he took up our infirmities. The Hebrew word infirmities is one that means moral weakness. Our moral weakness is our sinful tendencies. I won't ask for a raise of hands, but if I was to say, how many in here struggle with sinful tendencies, there would be all of us that raise our hand. What are these areas in our lives that we seem to trip over? Could be mental, could be an action, could be attitude, areas we feel vulnerable in our actions, our behaviors, our desires that we're like, oh, I don't want to do this, or so why did I just do this? We wish we could overcome them. We wish we didn't trip and fall over them, but we do. This is what's called your infirmities. And I want to remind you today that Jesus has made a way for you to no longer be a slave to your moral weakness. You don't have to be a slave to your moral weakness. That's why I resist the language to say I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, I was a sinner. Now I'm saved and called a saint. There's a difference. We we were sinners who are now saved. This doesn't mean that that you're going to live a perfect life, but it means that you, through the work of Jesus Christ, can have victory over your moral weakness. When you stumble or when you fall, you can run to him and he can sure up these areas of your life so you can get up and keep moving forward. But there's, there's more going on also in our lives than just fleshly, immoral desires. We also have an adversary. In this passage, we saw Jesus was combating the demonic in people's lives. In this passage from Matthew, Jesus was casting out demons from people who were struggling with a variety of, of obsessions, a variety of addictions, variety of, of pitfalls in their life. And along with our flesh that we all have to deal with, I believe that demonic influence can cause a tendency or a weakness in your life that's reoccurring. And the reason why the enemy wants it there is because it prevents you from experiencing and living the fullness of the life that God has for you. We are in a battle. But here's the good news. Jesus has already won it. We just have to walk in it. Just as Jesus had authority, just as he had authority over demonic powers 2,000 years ago, he can still liberate you from them today. You are not at the mercy of the demonic as a believer in Jesus Christ. We just need to be aware of that today. So we know this. Jesus took our infirmities, our moral weaknesses, the temptations from the enemy, the the acts of the flesh that we have to deal with. He paid the price so that as we could come to him, we could receive healing in these areas from our lives and walk in victory. That's what God has for us today. But in order to receive his help, Here's the key. You must admit that you need it. That's it. You you must admit that you have a weakness. And then ask the Lord to deliver you by putting your faith in what he's done from Isaiah 53 all the way up to the cross. I want us to see today that Jesus of the Bible is the Jesus of today in your life. And he wants to touch you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to deliver you so you can live the complete life that he has for you. You can walk in the complete life that he's called you to walk in. So Jesus extends his hand to give you victory from this passage of Isaiah 53 and his fulfillment of that passage. Also we see in Isaiah 53, what did Jesus do for me is number two, Jesus will carry my sorrows for me. Jesus will carry my sorrows. If we were in the crowds and we were shadowing Jesus, we would be hearing all of this. We would be thinking, oh, I just thought I was at the mercy of my, of, of, of my desires and, and my temptations. And I also thought that I just I, could, I have to carry my pain all by myself. But because of what Jesus has done and what he's fulfilled, Jesus Will carry my sorrows for me. That's why scripture says that He carried our sorrows on, on the cross. Grief and sorrow occur when all of us, and all of us will have to walk through this when we lose something that was very, very dear to us. It may be the death of a loved one, it might be grieving over a divorce, it could be a lost job, it could be a lost business, it could be a lost opportunity. The truth is, is sorrow is a part unfortunately, of the human life. And there were all kinds of counterfeit ways, though, that we tried to alleviate, alleviate our sorrows. And to numb those sorrows, we tried all kinds of stuff. Some people tried to drown their sorrows in alcohol. Some people tried to, to make them go away with illicit sex or pain meds or money or power, or approval, or food, or maybe because of our sorrows, we become more controlling, we become more critical, whatever it may be. I want you to hear me today, and hear my heart, and hear God's heart. God has a better offer for you than those things. He has a better offer for you. Instead of carrying the load of your cares and your sorrows and trying to alleviate some pain by doing something through your physical body or or through your mind or whatever it may be. Instead of carrying that load today with the prompting of God through the realization of the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do something that First Peter tells us to do out of 1 Peter 5, 7, where the Bible says this, that you can cast all your anxiety on Jesus because he really cares for you. He really cares for you. He really cares for you. This is why he endured the cross, so that as you would come to him, he can give you what he's already purchased for you. Jesus, though, has given us a choice. You can carry your griefs. You can carry your sorrows, you can carry your anxiety yourself, or you can let Jesus carry them for you. And his shoulders and his ability is much broader and much stronger than yours. And he's asking you today, will you cast your cares upon me? Will you let me carry your sorrows for you? I don't know where you are today, but this is what I know. I know this, that we have sorrows, we have loss, we have grief, we have anxiety. We have things that we're dealing with on the inside. And Jesus has already paved the way. But you need to step out fresh and new and receive what Jesus has done for you. Another thing that we see Jesus do as we watch and minister and we consider Isaiah 53, number three, Jesus will remove all the guilt from my mistakes. Yeah. Jesus will remove all the guilt from my mistakes. Isaiah 53, beautifully is this poetic, every line is this, is this punch again and again and again on the salvation of humanity and against sin and what sin has done to mankind. And Jesus is, did this from Isaiah 53. He, meaning Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. This transgression is any sin that you would have in your life wrong thought, wrong action, a lie, an attitude, anything that's not perfect is a sin and a transgression against God. But God knew, please hear me today, God knew that we could not measure up because we couldn't measure up, because we can't, because all of us has fallen short of the glory of, of, the glory of God. All of us, there's a gap between us and God. And because he knew that you couldn't measure up, he would not be able to have an intimate relationship with you. He would not be able to be as close to you as, as the purpose of why he created you. So he sent his son to pay the price for your transgressions. So he put his son on the cross. Our sin, our transgressions that we committed against him. So that the penalty that will be paid... For our sins, we can live free from guilt because Jesus has paid the price. Therefore, we're not guilty. Therefore, in Christ, we are innocent. And therefore, since we are innocent, we are seen as perfect. Therefore, we are seen as perfect. We can have an intimate relationship with the Father. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Not only is this that what Jesus took upon himself was your sin, but the other side is he took upon himself the sin that other people have committed against you. So one thing is to say, yeah, I know, man, I need forgiveness. I need to be relieved from the guilt of my own sin. And Jesus did that. But what he also did is he took the penalty and he took the effect of what someone else's sin that was done against you that caused you pain, that caused you hurt. And he paved the way so that if you come to Jesus, you can be healed, not only of your own sin, but you can be healed and set free from the sin that's been done against you from someone else. That's the good news of the gospel. And so Jesus, through the cross... Jesus, as He's fulfilling Isaiah 53, has made a way for you to be completely free. Free from your own sin and free from the pain and sin that's been caused against you. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And He offers to you that today because He loves you, because He cares for you, because He knew you couldn't carry the burden alone, because He knew this life would stink and there would be sin in people's lives and they would do something against you that wasn't fair, it was wrong, it violated you, they deceived you, they hurt you, and Jesus said, if you'll come to me, I will heal you from their sin that's been done against you. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And he he makes that way for you today. Our transgressions are why Jesus was pierced. It was for our iniquities, our immoral behavior. That he was crushed, and therefore in Christ we are to be free from guilt and full in our fellowship with God. The Christian faith is the only way that offers, please hear me today, it's the only way that offers a remedy for guilt. And it's God's forgiveness. When people of other religions discover this, it's often a refreshing truth that causes them to want to accept. Jesus Christ. Actually, in, in Islam, they teach you that if you committed sins, that the way that you make up for them is you work harder. You do more extreme things to combat those sins. And If you perform enough good deeds, then you will cancel out your bad deeds. You can think, oh, yeah, that's Islam. But let me tell you something, Christians do the same thing. When we mess up, we think, How do I fix it? How do I how do I pay for the price of my sin? And Jesus said, I've already paid for that price. All, all of us want we want this transaction with God. Okay, God, I'll do this, you do this, I'll do this, you do this, I'll do this first, and you do this. Jesus says, No, no, no. I don't want you to do it's already done. I want you to receive it. This is this is the amazing grace of God. It doesn't make sense, it doesn't register in our human minds but it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those, those of you who are carrying unnecessary guilt today from the sin that's already been paid for, I'm going to ask you today, give it to Jesus. Look at him. As you stand in the crowd, as you shadow Jesus, as you watch him minister, understanding why he came to give your guilt He came to take your guilt. He came to take your shame. If it's forgiven, then he wants you to receive his gift and forget about it and walk in the freedom that comes from Jesus Christ. This is what we see as we watch Jesus. This is what we're challenged with, even some of us here today. No, no, it can't be right. can't be right. My wife's grandfather who got saved on his, uh, close to his deathbed, he could not come to grips that a person could murder someone and then just say, oh God, forgive me, and then that they would go to heaven. He couldn't come. It's not fair. And it kept all kept him from stepping into the kingdom. You're right, though. It's not fair. He couldn't wrap his human mind around, how could God forgive someone who would murder someone? How could God forgive someone who would hurt somebody else? It's not fair. You're right. It's called the gospel. It's not fair. It's a free gift to all who will receive it in the right heart and right spirit. And the last thing that Jesus offers us as we look at Isaiah 53 and we remember how he fulfilled Isaiah 53 is number four. Jesus offers me healing. Jesus offers me healing. Can we say this together today? Jesus offers me healing. Now some of you are already running. Yes, what about this, what about this, what about this? What about this? Listen, I'm, just, I'm asking you just for a second to see what Jesus is offering. That's why Isaiah 53 says this, by his wounds we are healed. Now this healing is, is its It's complete, and I'll explain what I mean by that. There are different kinds of pain that we need healing from. Your point of pain might be a physical one. Your point of pain might be a betrayal. Your point of pain might be a rejection. Your point of pain might be your dad. Might be mental. It might be emotional. But whatever the source, please hear the Father's heart today. Jesus can heal you. The truth is this, our physical bodies are anchored to this physical world. They are. They're decaying. Anyone notice that lately? Do you know why you have wrinkles? Because this body doesn't last forever. But our souls do. Our physical bodies are not perfect. But we see in Scripture that Jesus heals bodies. I've never heard of him healing wrinkles, but we could give it a shot. Cut down on your Botox bill just a little bit. But Jesus heals bodies. If you have a physical point of pain, you have every right. And the Bible tells us as Christians that we can ask God for healing. Do you believe that? We also know that by his wounds, meaning his sufferings, meaning the suffering that Jesus endured on the cross. It is only by His wounds, only by His suffering that we can experience the kind of healing that we most need in our lives. By His wounds we are healed. The truth is the greatest pain of all is sin. And it's only by the blood of Jesus that we can be healed of the most deadly disease, sin. And I want you to to realize that you can be healed of any earthly disease that God chooses to heal you from. But we should also remember that our bodies are still going to struggle because we are anchored to this physical world. There's going to be something. Hit your your hand with with a hammer, it's going to bleed. And the reason Jesus allowed himself to be wounded was so that we can be healed of the cancer of sin. Now I, I wanna share with you a story from a book titled Written in Blood by Robert Coleman. He tells a story of a little boy named Johnny whose younger sister needed a blood transfusion. And the doctor explained to him that his sister had the same disease he had. He had recovered from two years earlier. Since they both had a rare blood type, Her only chance for recovery was a transfusion with her brother. And so the doctor came to Johnny and said, would you give your blood to Mary, Johnny? And Johnny hesitated and his lower lip started to tremble. And he smiled and he said, sure, I'll do that for my sister. Soon the children were wheeled into the same room. Mary was pale and thin. Johnny was robust and healthy. Neither spoke. But when their eyes met, Johnny grinned at his sister. As the nurse inserted the needle into his arm, Johnny's face smiled and then the smile faded. As he watched the blood flow through the tube, his voice slightly shaky broke the silence and he looked to the doctor. He says, Doctor, when do I die? Only then did the doctor realize what Johnny, why he had hesitated earlier and why his lip had trembled earlier. When he agreed to donate his blood to his sister, he thought he was giving his blood to his sister meant that his life would have to end. In that brief moment, Johnny made his decision that if necessary, he'd give his life for his sister. But Johnny didn't have to die, and we know that. But the truth is this. When Jesus made the decision to give his life for you, he chose death. He chose your life over his He chose your infirmities over his purity. He chose your sin over a life that's perfect. He chose to take upon he who knew no sin. He became sin itself. He chose in the moment of quivering flesh on the cross, sprawled out naked for all of humanity to mock him and make fun of him. He chose that as your sin became his sin, he felt the separation that you and I would feel unless someone did something about it and he cried out to God, my God why have you forsaken me? It was that moment he felt it but he did it for you. He exchanged his life for your life so that you can have healing from him today. Do you believe that? He made healing available for you. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.